Good afternoon, Roadie Nation. We are back. It's 2024, and Marks for Marks is back for the start of the spring 2024 semester. As you may have noticed, we're on at a new time. I have my own student slot now. It's going to be Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. going forward. I'm very happy to be um, back on WRU, continuing this show, sharing all of the amazing personalities that this university has to offer with you all at home on your drive home from work. Or if you're just sitting in the car trying to find something to do, I'm happy that you're joining me for that little hour of your day. So, for the start of 2024, I was going through my short list of trying to find people to um, give us a good start on the year. Because obviously, having been gone for a month, I wanted to get back into the flow of things and I wanted to come back with a bang. And... I feel like I've done that today. I feel like I've done that today. So today in the studio, I'm joined by one of my good friends and one of the stars of the Rhode Island football program. I'm joined by linebacker, aficionado, AJ Pena. AJ, how you doing today? I'm good today. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course, dude. I mean, I was looking forward to this for a while because, I mean, yeah. there was obviously a lot of turnover with, yeah. the, your, with the football team this year. I saw a lot, of my, a lot of my good friends take off through either graduation or a number of guys hit the transfer portal. But I was very happy to see that you're staying here, repping the Keeney Blue in Kingston for another season. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I kind of want to just sort of get into, into that because that was one of the big stories in the offseason for URI football because one of the major, you're one of the major keys to the URI defense and mm-hmm. caught a lot of people, some by surprise, some not. When you hopped in the transfer portal, many are obviously happy that you decided to ultimately stay. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious, just... What was that overall process like for you? It seemed like it was a relatively quick process in the whole grand scheme of things between you deciding to hop in and then making your decision to come back. So just walk me through. What was that whole process like for you? I mean, the process, I'm not going to lie, like it was very difficult. Obviously, you know, I put, you know, two hardworking years to my resume, especially, you know, with everything that came with what I had freshman year at URI. Um, I just, honestly, that decision was very hard. Obviously, there's a new opportunity with this day and age where you can transfer through different semesters or however it works. Um, Definitely just like just how the season really turned out and how it ended. It was a very bittersweet feeling, um, the way it ended at Towson, unfortunately. Um, It was just a bad taste in my mouth. And, you know, um, I, I noticed that I really loved the guys. You know, and being away and trying to make that decision, all of them were, you know, do what's best for you. You know, it's do where you do what you need and do what's best for you. But I'm I'm hearing that every day, like, you know, and it just like my heart personally was just like breaking down like day by day. You know, even though you know I'm getting these FBS offers and you know, like just just the loneliness and just like, do I really want to actually do this? I had to sit back and actually, do you really want to do this? Or can you can you do it? You know what I mean? And I truly believe, you know, I can lead this team to, you know, bigger thing based off my play, and I can elevate the people around me. So just really just a commitment from, you know, my my teammates, you know, to allow me to come back because I told them, you know, I, I obviously I hit the transfer portal. I made that decision. I was in that portal network. But, like, were you guys willing to take me back because, you know, you're kind of just almost like committing treason in a way. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's obviously like a bit of a weird stakes. I mean, like you see, we've all seen that iconic video of after Jaden Daniels when he hit the transfer portal before he went to LSU mm-hmm. in the locker room where they were ripping up all of his stuff in the ASU locker room yeah. and basically like just um, just being real rude to him and everything. Like, so you can see like some people can take that in a really difficult manner as that sense of like, oh, you're giving up on us, whatever. But I mean, from the outside looking in, it, it, it always seemed to me that um, Flem and all of the other coaches had really fostered this tight knit community of, yeah. of all of all of y'all, and it seems evident from what you were saying, where they were all like really just supportive and happy. They were like, "Hey, this is something that you want to do. If this is best for you, your yeah. career, your family, and everything, that they were supportive." And so that's it's pretty neat to see that <clears throat> they were all willing to um, stand by you when you made that decision. And so then when you did hop into the portal, I mean, like. How quickly were offers coming in? Like, what was sort of the level of schools that you that you were looking at? Like, were you reaching out to a number of coaches, or were people reaching out to you? I mean, it's a. I mean, when you're in that portal, right? It goes to like this network of I don't know how they see it. I don't know if it's a list, but they get this list of people that are entering the the portal from different schools, and it's just like they. I guess it's through. They they analyze something called Pro Football Focus, where they keep like ratings of certain players, and um, that's how people usually go through about it. And they find the Alabamas, who in the FCS is doing well. Like basically, I think the FBS right now, in my opinion, like they use the FCS as like the ju- the JUCO. Like they look at that to it's not really more towards the high school players unless you're like a a blue chip prospect or like a four star recruit. So like it's definitely have changed, and you know I'm so happy to be a part of this evolution of the game and all my opportunities. Like I'm just used to what I have. Like I've never had much in my life, so like now like I have to start thinking about the business side and what I want to do. You know what I mean? So obviously like the decision for the portal like. I was thinking about just the whole NFL thing too. Like, can I make it here, or can I? Do I have to need to go somewhere else to do that? Like, like, in my true heart to heart, I believe anywhere I be, I definitely can make a shot. I have a great shot of making it to the NFL. Like, I love this sport so much. Like, I'm willing to do so much for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just can't stop thinking about it, and it revolves around my life. Sometimes, people may say that's scary. Like, oh, you could do other things, but. If you don't know what I've been through in my life, you know what I mean? You don't understand, you know, the pain, you know what I mean, or why I, I love something so much. So. You've dedicated years of your life yeah. to this one game, and it's the same for so many different people. And mm-hmm. that's why you see these people making these difficult decisions, being like, this isn't anything personal. This is just something that I feel like I have to do for the for the betterment of myself and my family and those and those around me. It's just it's a business decision at the end of the day. Yeah. Um but I'm happy you kind of brought up the um notion of sort of recruiting and like how high school recruiting works because I was curious just about how you sort of got your start into all of this because when you look at like FCS recruiting you get a lot more interesting stories of guys coming from a lot of smaller places to get their chance to play college football so I mean just like take me back to high school AJ Pena yeah. playing high school football trying to really fall in love with the game just where did it all start for you man honestly 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 bro like It started when I was young. You know, I'm from Montclair, New Jersey. I'm from Jersey, so, you know. uh, See how this began. It's a long (laughs) journey, man. So I'll start basically. So I was living with my mom for a particular time in my life from, like, when I was one. 
and like about 12 years old and then after like 12 I moved with my pops but um like through that time like I didn't know like what I wanted to do right so it's a lot of expectation my mom she was like a 1500 point scorer at Montclair High School my dad you know he's been in and out of playing football semi-pro and you know I was a chubby kid with glasses like just like I don't even know. I like playing video games and I like doing certain stuff, right? But um like when I would when I first got enrolled into football, there was something about it where the physicality aspect of it is something that I I connect with. I don't know how to really explain it, but like I just love the aggression side of football because like you can literally hit somebody for free and not get in trouble for it, you know, same like boxing, you know, so but like you know, coming up from high school, right, like, it was very difficult because of how, what my body type was. I was a tweener. So a tweener is considered, like, a defensive end and a linebacker, or it could be, like, an old lineman mix with a, I don't know, a guard or a tackle, different stuff like that. So my recruiting process was very slow, right? So my first couple of offers, so I was in the COVID, whole COVID year, right? So the first couple of offers I had, I got after my junior year. I had Long, I- Long Island University, it's a small Division One FCS, Robert Morris, and I had Sacred Heart, right? Um, and I honestly felt like I was way better than that just because of what I was doing. I mean, my junior year, I put up 12 sacks, right? And I think that was like in 12 games. And then my senior year, it got cut short, which I had seven games, which it should have been eight, and I had 12 when I was second in the state in sacks, which I was first team at All-State. So after that, right, uh, I had to make a big decision of whether where I wanted to go to college, right? And I decided to do a postgrad year at Milford Academy um, in upstate New York. Um, I had a ball there. Um, I was 17 years old, so it kind of worked out. So it didn't even mean much, really. So I was pretty young anyway. So I decided to, you know, after I graduated that August of, I think it was August 6th, right? And then I graduated in June and July. Mm -hmm. So I had my training camp all August, and then we got right into the Milford season. And we played a bunch of Division I JV teams. So I played Bryant, ironically, (laughs) you know? And I played played Army's JV team. That was like real, like, that's it's like their twos and their threes. Like, it's not like, you know, and it's against high school kids. Um, So I ended up breaking the sack record there. Um, There was a lot of and a great NFL guys that went there, Terrence Knighton, LaShawn McCoy, a couple of names, Terrence Knighton, um, with 22 sacks. And um, uh, I got the offer from URI, you know, and immediately when I got that offer, like, mind you, high school, like, URI was looking at me from, like, when I was a sophomore, and they were, like, they they said no in the beginning. Like, there were so many, like, I can't even tell you, there's so many coaches that looked, oh, he's too small. Like, this, that, and the third. And I, and I fed off that. Like, okay, you think that? Like, you feel that way? I'm going to show you why. Like, I'm going to bet on myself. And I think a lot of people are scared sometimes to take a risk because how you going to really know what you're going to get out of something if you don't try, like, go out in just the, the open? You know what I'm saying? Like, go upstate and, like, you don't know anybody upstate. You're just playing football with people. Like, okay. You know what I mean? So... After I enrolled, my biggest my biggest reason to enrolling in URI was just, like, the family aspect of it. Like, obviously, the facilities, right? Like, 
they're pretty, you know, they're medium. They're not like, obviously, they're not like an Alabama or Georgia, but you know what I'm saying? The family aspect and the culture of it and the guys there, I just felt such a close family with, and that's something I had in my high school that I could just, like, see, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. just evaluating other things, like who was in front of me, too, like just, like, the best decision for me was to be at URI at that time, you know, and we had a great season that season, but it was just... The whole process was just an up and down rocky road, but everything turns out right as we can see now. So, was it a weird feeling when they offered you when you already knew they basically said no to you like well, a few years back? Well, I knew like it, it wasn't like a no. They just wanted to see more, I guess. But basically, it was a no. You know, I'm saying this now because I remember things. I keep my receipts. Like you know, what I mean, when I was in the portal, like I remember the coaches I used to talk to through high school, and now they're like, wow, like. I fucking see you. I'm sorry. I see you now. <laughs> but, uh, like, I'm just so, like, it don't even matter at the point. But I'm like, when I'm hearing that now, I'm like, wow, I really genuinely have an impact on this game. Like, now my name is known, you know, pretty well over around the country right now. So, you know what I mean, from what I've been hearing. So I'm just happy for myself, you know, and I'm just going to continue on to be the best version of myself, you know, so. And in terms of making a name for yourself, I mean, you did it. Very quickly. Yeah. I mean, when you go when you go back, you go back to your freshman year. That was coincidentally my first time um, covering a team at URI because my freshman we started at the same time, and you came in. I believe it was your second ever game at URI. It was the Bryant game. It was here. Mm -hmm. You got three and a half sacks yeah. and six tackles. On the day against there, Bryant. There's an argument over it that is four and a half, actually, which I which I feel it is, but How, it's not on there. Elaborate, I'm curious. So, like, the sh there was a strip sack there that they didn't count mm -hmm. as mine. It was in the end zone. Me and Jake Fire had a half, which would have made it four. And I would have been, been, been tied I, for I the record, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I got the ball out, so it was kind of like a half, but there was an, another half one that they didn't throw in there, so it was four for real. Okay. But, but it's okay. It's regardless, okay. <laughs> regardless, we're going off of the official record books. You have three and a half. That is the second most in a single game in URI history. It's tied yeah. for second most. The first is four. Um, but just to have gone, because that was interesting to me, because when I had jumped in there, I was like, whoa, like this kid's a freshman. He's my age, yeah. running here, and he's two games into his college career, yeah. and he's already now in the record book. URI's done. And that was very fascinating to me. I mean, just like, once that game, once you got through that game, and then all the media around that, because I know, I remember you going to the going to the press conference and seeing you that day, and everything else about that. But just like, what was that sort of feeling like? Was that kind of, did you sort of bypass the, oh, okay, welcome to college moment yeah. once you hit this? I mean, honestly, I always knew what I, what I'm capable of, and I was just honestly waiting for the opportunity, and my opportunity came naturally that day, like. That day specifically, like, I probably got into Stony Brook week one that week, and we were like, okay, like, I came in at the end. I had a couple pass rush, a couple good reps to see. But then, like, coming in week two, I'm not even on the depth chart, you know? And I ironically, um, two of the outside linebackers got hurt that game, right? And I step in, and I'm like, wow, like, you better go right now. You know what I'm saying? And... Like, the playbook I had so much trouble with in the beginning just because of how, like, it's, it's just multi-dimensional scheme that's just, like, I got to drop. You know, I'm so used to a specific scheme, but there's one thing that I've always known that I have over a lot of people. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty good pass rusher, so, like, I always knew, like, I'm going to find my fit in this team. 
But, like, pass rush was that thing, you know, so... Going into that game, like, I'm just like, wow. Like, when I got the first one, I'm like, wow, you just did that. Then I got the second one, I'm like, you just did that again? And then the third one, right, it was just like such a clean one, swipe around the edge, and I'm just like, wow. Like, I'm celebrating. I'm like, ah. (laughs) And then, like, there was one where he tried to, like, step in because he saw me coming, and then, like, armed over inside, and that's when I got the half. And then there was another one. The Jake Fire one, he's a coach now. Um, We had, I was blitzing off the outside, and he was blitzing the B-gap, and we had, like, a merge sack, you know, and it was awesome, you know. So, like, great out, great, great, great vibes that game. That's that's awesome. (laughs) I mean, and then you were talking about that. You weren't on the depth chart going to that game, but then once after that, you were in. Like, you were were, were in there. And then next game against Delaware, you would attack on a pass breakup. That was another another good game for you. But then the next game after that is going away at Pitt. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I I was, I I remember talking to Kasim about that game. um, And I remember talking to, I remember talking to Fred about it, too. um, And they were just talking about just the atmosphere of that game. Because you're going to not only an FBS school, but you're going to a top 25 at the time FBS school. They were like, tw- I think they were 24th they, they, or 23rd. They were the reigning ACC champs. Yeah. Previously. So you're going, you're going into their house trying to, trying to make a statement. Yeah. And I mean, granted, obviously the game did not go how anybody you or I would have wanted, yeah. but it was still a very competitive game where you yeah. guys showed your stuff. I mean, yeah. just overall, like what, walk me through that sort of game for you. Just like the feelings when you first wow. stepped onto the field and stuff. Man, to be honest, bro, like, I nearly cried because, like, the feeling of just having that moment that I was blessed with just to step on that field and just breathe in that air of just, like, Heinz Field. At the time, now it's, what, Archbishop or American or something? It's it's got some new name, I think. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, yeah, like, just T.J. Watt, like, NFL guy, like, he walks that. Aaron Donald, he walks that field. Like, you are walking on steps that greats have stepped foot on. Like, how could you not feel the energy and the and the, and the passion in that, you know? If you don't, like, you're just not a football fan and you shouldn't be doing it, to be honest, you know? But, like, coming into that game, right, I'm just looking at the articles coming up, right, because I'm a freshman. I'm looking at the articles, URI, you know. My name's up there because I'm leading the team in sex, right? And I'm just like, wow, like, you know, oh, we had, oh, we had A.J. Penn, A.J. Penn was on a visit to, you know, Pitt previously, and he has three and a half sacks. I seen an article, I'm like, wow, like, this is crazy, like, honestly, and just, like, taking it all in from a fan atmosphere, like, I just, like, I was just feeling like I was just floating, like, living the dream, you know, like, you know, if you go on a vacation to the Bahamas, you know what I mean, I, I could just, like, it's the same same feeling I feel. So. And so, like interacting with the um, with your counterparts at Pitt, like did you get the chance to talk to any of those guys at Pitt that had sort of maybe gone through a journey similar similar in in a sense to you, or just like what their um, what they were kind of doing, like like uh, dealing with? Like, did you get the chance to talk to like any freshmen at Pitt or any of the other guys that you were defending? Um, not in, in, no, not in particular, honestly. But what I can say about it is. What I can say about, um, I had a friend on the other team, actually. Um, I think he was a walk-on. Um, I think he was a safety or something like that. Um, 
I used to be very close friends with him, but he was talking to me about just like how like like even now like I was getting like attention from Pitt like to get a chip a chip block because they still recognize stuff like obviously Pitt's not obviously they're ACC team and we're FCS but they still like you know what I mean they still like they respect game plan. their opponents exactly prep, yeah. exactly like and we weren't no slouch we gave them some you know fire you know what I'm saying like and you know he just you know I just remember the advice he gave me just like keep pushing and understand what you get yourself into and know what you're getting yourself into that was probably the biggest thing that I took from him when he told me at the middle of the field that's fascinating and it must be it must be really cool to like hear that all right you're the you're one of the guys that they're keeping an eye on as at like as the scouts and the and the coaches for such a big program to be like all right we have these guys coming in smaller school, but this is a guy that we need to watch to make yeah. sure that he's not a problem maker for us. Yeah. That, mu- that must have been like a neat feeling to kind of know that, like, all right, like I'm getting that respect this early in my college career. Like, it almost just like reaffirms that belief you said you had, like all of high school and then during that prep year as yeah. well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so then moving, just moving forward for this, going through the rest of the year, consistently now you are on like, towards the top of the depth chart, just continuing to ply your trade, and you are putting wins together. Yeah. Putting wins together, and it's it's seeming more and more like there's a strong chance that the Rams can make the playoffs for the first time in years. Years. Yeah. And then comes the New Hampshire game. Yeah. And this has been this is one of the uh, topics that I've like I've loved talking about with different guys on the football teams. I love hearing from different perspectives how this game went because that game is one of the most contested sort of difficult to discuss amongst URI athletics here just because of just how crazy it ended with the touchdown and everything. Yeah. And so I mean just like going into that game for you as a, as one of uh, the linebackers, one of the guys on the defensive end of the ball. I mean just like what was that game sort of like for you even toward the end. Man, <coughs> you're talking about a very I do not like the UNH Wildcats. You know, I'll let that be known. Um, obviously, my freshman year, you know, we had a battle, you know, and it obviously came down to the end. And we know what we saw, the touchdown, that I don't know if it got touchdown reviewed. Touchdown in air quotes. In air quotes. Um, and, you know, but I'm not going to let that. I mean, the play happened. The call, it should have been a better call, but there was a mistake by the safety or the corner, I forget. We were in this type of coverage called Tampa 2, and it was just stress on the safety where he had to play a certain way, and then it didn't, like, go our way. But this game, like, this game was extremely personal, um, considering that our coaches now, former players, Henry Yannikopoulos in particular and Jake Fire, like, that was a big like part of us like winning that game like we wanted to win it for those guys I don't know if like other people were but I wanted to win it for them because like they were on their way out the door they were on they were on their way out the door but like them coaching us with us and like being in that game was just like it was just an added chip on the shoulder for us as a defense like you know I think we held Dylan Lobby to 15 yards rushing on like 13 carries, but obviously in the receiving game, like he made his way. You know, he is, I'm not going to lie, he's probably one of the best players I've ever seen. You know, what he can do is very, he makes that team so much better. Like Max Brosmer, like, 
Like he makes Max Max Brosmer, he's at Minnesota, look very good. Yeah. Like just easy check down routes and he's going for thirty. Like that's that's the ultimate cheap code for a quarterback. You know, but going into the game, you know, it was a very physical back and forth game. Obviously you see Brosmer Brosmer is such a quick reaction. <sighs> he throws that ball on a needle thread all the time, you know, so like, I'm always having to get my hands up as fast as possible. I'm always having to worry if Dylan's running uh, a swing route in the backfield. Like, you know, just game planning for those two guys, you know, was it was it was emphasized to a T, you know, because those are the guys that were giving us problems, you know, the past basically two years. So, you know, game's very personal anytime we play the Wildcats. I don't know if you know halftime. Um there was a thing where me and the head coach from UNH, we were we were talking like, we were saying going back and forth cursing at each other. This so year it was or like, last year? This year, this year. This, oh no, we yeah we saw that. I mean that was from the when we were looking at it from the press box, like we could tell there was something going on. And as the teams were leaving, I didn't realize it was you, but I saw that there was enough that people needed to be separated. So, but there's yeah there's a lot of bad there's a lot of bad blood there, and I feel like that's. Now you've kind of got a little bit of a rivalry, which is cool. Like oh, yeah. That, um, having that sort of rivalry. Um, and also the wide receivers coach at halftime, um, the UNH, um, they actually, he was talking in pregame to us in the middle. You know how when it's 50-50 yeah. and it, we're on that side and it's the other side. He's chatting. I'm like, okay, this That's, is what we on? Huh. Like. This game is personal with them too. Like this is this is the this is the matchup like in the CAA like UNH versus I don't care what anybody says like UNH or Rhode Island like that game is a personal game like that is known. That's like, interesting that they that the wide receivers coach is chatting before the game like taking time away from trying to figure out his own stuff to be like all right like I'm gonna start I'm gonna start talking to these guys like chirping. That's, that's crazy yeah so. that's that's great I mean but that I mean that just goes to show how serious it can be like you can have serious rivalries oh, yeah. in, at the FCS level oh just know that CAA teams don't don't like each other they don't like coaches they don't like you got to realize when they recruit right when anybody in the CAA gets offered right let's say right if you get offered by somebody in the CAA nine times out of ten another three or two teams of the CAA is going to offer most likely just because like just because one school is doing exactly it. just just maybe because all right like maybe we trying to one up you it's how it goes like anything's just trying to like it's very petty exactly very petty you know and yeah. and and that's and it's the same thing you know just like there's a players portal like i like to call it the coaches portal cuz uh -huh. coaches are in and out too obviously we had you know our db coach leave and we had our i don't know if this is official yet but our wide receivers coaches Went to Yale. I think that's official already, but I'm gonna, you know, but he, he's going to Yale. Like, this is a business at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And people are going to, or <laughs> coach you. And if you're good enough, they're gonna want you, and then they're just gonna, you know, give you that opportunity. You know, like it's the it's a sad reality. You know, it's like you know, anybody at any point in time can contact you. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's wild. It's wild. It's a wild process. I feel like because of the level that FCS is at and the fact that you don't see um, as much money involved as you do in FBS, that almost makes way for this sort of pettiness and stuff where schools will come at each other like yeah. that. Because, like, in FBS, like, it's a lot more... To me, it seems to be a lot more individual. Like, individ like individually based yeah. in the sense where it's, like, when you're doing the recruiting, like, it's a lot more of a money game. Yeah. And you, like... The schools will offer money, but it's not going to be like, 
okay, if Alabama offers this kid, it's not going to be immediately like Georgia or Florida are also going to offer the guy because it's a lot more of like, all right, we're looking for seriously like super strong talent. When you kind of look at this FCS level, now that it's a little bit lower and a lot of the schools are a bit more evenly matched in terms of talent and what they have to offer, you can get this sort of thing where like say URI offers you and then instantly the next day you got Nova, Elon, and Richmond all offering you because they can kind of offer the same stuff. Absolutely. It's yeah. really it's it's interesting that uh, the rivalries that this division can foster. Yeah. And it's 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 really cool. But I mean the UNH game was um, one that I feel like really sort of um, spelled how the next season was going to go because the mentality coming out of that game was the mentality that the entire team took into 2023, yeah. which was, we are not letting that happen again. Regardless of what was happening <laughs> down the season, like that game in particular, I, could, I think you could just tell like yeah. in our team, like, like not today. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, it came down to the wire. You know, they blocked the field goal. Mind you, that team is the number one block. They have the number one in block field goals, I think, in the FCS or in the CAA. I don't know. Yeah. But it kind of was really like certain kicks are certain per- percentages, but, like, that might have been the only time where it was one of the highest percentages on where that, that kick might have been blocked just because of the rate that they were, you know, getting to that. You know, they emphasize special teams. That is very – that's what shows how close a team is when they're – when they, like, are – how do I explain it? When they – you know, obviously we just think about offense and defense, but they're special teams. Like, that's a big part in transitioning and setting up a, a game. If, you, if you're if you punting this team at five yards, you know what I mean? Like, that's a long drive they got mm-hmm. to build. So everything matters in this game, and that's why this game is awesome because the little things. This game's about inches, and we've seen it. Like, the teams lose off just – a, a postcard on the when they're measuring, you know, if it's a first down or not, you know, like it's it's game's awesome. Yeah, it's it's why we it's why we love sports, why we love football, just because of all the different all the different stuff that all the little things that yeah. go into it that make it so competitive. Um, and so yeah, so then once coming out of the season, the season ends in a very in a very upsetting manner. Some people may say that you guys deserve to make the playoffs even with the loss, but that's neither here nor there. You then go into 2023, chip on your shoulder, wanting to really take this season by the scruff of the neck and not have to leave it in the hands of other people. And you going into 2023, having made such a name for yourself on the defense your freshman year, coming into your sophomore year, what was your mentality looking like? Did you feel that you were in a position where you could take up a little bit of a leadership role in the defense like what was your status like heading into the heading into this past year so okay so i would say so obviously this team this year was filled with a lot of seniors from the past like five teams or four teams um so it was honestly set up for having those senior guys to continue on with that type of leadership now i know we lost a lot of stuff on defense but particularly with the secondary and a couple D linemen and a lot of leaders. So there was a lot of holes open for leadership um, in particular in 2023. But, like, like if your coaches have to emphasize those leaders and they need to let them know, like, these are our leaders and, like, there's nothing else like nobody else can do. You know what I mean? There's different type of leaders, like some that lead by example – 
some that don't talk and just lead, some people who get 4.0s and just lead by, you know, academic stuff, you know, but, like, I'm, I want to lead by, I try to lead as best as I can, but I'm a big believer in just being credible, having credibility, you know, and that's just with anything, like, just from a regular, you know, press conference, when, if it's Jerry Rice talking to a receiver on the field, rather if it's, like, I don't know, a random analyst from who's been covering the sport or for 20 years but hasn't actually played in the game. You know what I mean? So uh, I would say my opportunity was just – it was a little bit hard, I would say, because I felt like personally I didn't have that, like, push that I needed from the coaches. But, like, I would explain it like they just told me to lead by example and try to, you know, push everything. But sometimes, like – certain like the way I lead I'm not gonna lie like I like being like let's go like stop like like BS and this or whatever like I'm very hard on it and, and sometimes like I don't think people like that but that's the way I lead you know there's different leaders but you know this year in particular I am really trying to elevate myself because what do these NFL scouts want is he the leader in the team is he doing this you know, it, he's leading all the categories, but what kind of person, what kind of character is he? You know, that stuff is important. You know, so yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting that you said like the the notion of like the coaches, n- yeah, uh, not really pushing you to be the leader in the um in the sense of like being like in in the sense that you were just talking about, where it's like you lead as the type of guy where it's like you want to motivate them to do this. It's yeah. just like yo, don't like. Don't be down on yourself. Like get like get up. Like, but also get going. also leading by example. Yeah. Right. So like when I get you know when they see me working you know in the summertime like I I, I don't know, I work so hard in the summer like and just seeing me work I want people to see like oh that's a guy like I just want to be around you know he he gives it all I know like he's gonna give it at all on the, the football field you know like that's what I want that effect on everybody you know so particularly with, with me and West. Right, um, me and him, I feel like we go like he motivates me. Right, Big West, he's number ninety nine on the defense. Like, and we lift with each other. Right, and we talk about talks of how we can lead this team. And we're quiet sometimes. Right, you know, and sometimes we like stuff shouldn't be said, and we should everything's gonna like play out the way you want. But you gotta want change. Like, you can't let something just linger in a team and not address it right then and there because it's going to continue on. You yeah. can't because that's just not how football works, you know. You need people to hold people accountable, and that's so important for a team, you know. And obviously we were 6-5, and five, but we are way more talented than 6-5. and five. I, can, I can tell yeah. you that so much, but it just comes to show you, like, if you don't have those pieces and if you don't have those internal connections where a team is connected, you're not going to be very successful. I feel like from the outside looking in, too, like, I, you could tell that this team was very talented. Like, this is one of the more talented teams that I've ever seen you or I have. Yeah. And, um, I mean, even when you're losing guys in, like, to the draft and stuff, like, in 2022, like, when you lost the Shields and, like, you lose Ed, like, you lose a lot of those guys. <laughs> but then you're able to replace that because of just how the transfer portal works. But then you're fostering, like, these a lot of these younger guys that came in that were, like, seemed ready-made. Yeah. Like, Saeed Gibbs. He's now at Georgia Tech. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, a, a freshman All-American, yeah. like, FCS defensive player. Like, yeah. He, uh, and he's just, like, defensive player of the year. Like, just 
unbelievable sort of players. Mm -hmm. And to me, like, I, it seems that this program has the astute ability to develop talent yes. really well. But keeping it. Keeping it, keeping is the issue, but that's also, like, I was talking about this with, with um, one of my friends earlier. Keeping talent that you develop that quickly can be very difficult when you're an FCS program, one that hasn't had as much success as, like, a North Dakota State Abs or something. Exactly, exactly. And it's, when you see that, when you see guys like a, John, like a Johnny Cornelius, who yeah. is going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, I'm 100% certain oh, of that. Oh, 100%. 100% certain of it. He went from, you or I had an absolutely dominant year in 2022. He is now the starting... Tackle. Yeah, right starting tackle. tackle, right tackle at Oregon, yes. a top five team in the country, and it not and not like we're we're not talking like oh he was just like a role player on the team like he is one of their best players and on the team. He's dominating, dominating. He's not just playing. No, like. he is dominating. But <laughs> exactly. that's just one of the guys that this program has developed into superstars, yeah. like top end superstars. Yeah, and so it's it, it's interesting that. Some people, I feel like, may not see that if you don't pay attention as much as like yeah. others. Like when you like, there are a lot of people that will look at the record six and five and be like, "Oh, these guys aren't that good." But it's no, like a lot of the games were very close. Yeah, there was the one Albany game that was the outlier. Throw yeah. the Albany game out because yeah. they ended up making the semifinals of the FCS. You could yeah. throw that game out of there, yeah. but the rest of the games were all relatively close. One hundred percent. And so you you kind of look at that and it's like, all right, this team is talented. They recruit very well. It's just, like you said, those little subtle nuances that make winning programs that need to be drilled into everybody so everyone's on the same page. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, I mean, just like, we obviously sort of touched on it with, I mean, this year. This year was another another good game for you. You started nine of the 11 games. Just You had another fantastic year. Um, but just, the season obviously ended this year it was not as like much of like a like landing like a like a on a pin edge because you had like where if you won the north of the New Hampshire game you probably would have made it like it seemed like there was already like your fate was sort of becoming sealed as the I season mean, dragged on. I mean, once we lost that Richmond game, I knew it was kind of. I mean, in a sense, I knew it was kind of just over just because of just like you really can't lose three. Yeah. To top three teams in the mm -hmm. CAA, that's probably the biggest thing. You know, you gotta at least be one of them for them to either consider you. You know, so like, it was just so frustrating the way we we were better than that team. But like I said, like. It doesn't matter. Like that, it, you can be better, but hard work beats talent. When talent fails to work hard, and that's like that is the most truthful thing. Like I've been seeing that for so long, and now I just see it. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You gotta have God. You gotta lead. It's no other choice but to lead a team. And I, I want to do that. Like, and I'm going to do that. You know so. And in turn, like kind of jumping off of that. Because obviously we're we're gonna be we're coming towards the end of end of our time, but yeah. I before we get into like the expectations of this coming season, as now someone that's been a part of these a part of this program for two years, you've been a key part of the program for two years now, and I, as what I expect at least you're gonna take probably on a serious leadership role going into 2024 as one of the main guys who came back. What were, if you know of any, like some specific stuff that you feel could have been, that can be improved upon 
from 2023 and 2024? Like, what were some shortcomings from last season that you think maybe added to the pitfall of not making the playoffs that can be rectified in 2024? Um, we can start with, you know, the culture of the team as a whole. You know, from 2023, it was just not good at all compared to how it was honestly in 2022 so having that we recognized that already and we let it just sit you know and we thought stuff was going to we were going to overcome all this but it didn't you know and it showed when we faced adversity in games I don't know if you could tell like just like with certain things of people throwing helmets and fighting on the sideline like it's very it's not it's childlike you know um I would say I would say accountability from both both parts, coaches and players. You know, we all together, we're a team, right? We all have to hold each other to a standard to where we can make everybody great, right? Because I have to say, it's not just about me, right? If it was just about me, right, we can, you know, why, why are we talking about leadership right now? Why am I talking about these things, you know? So, like... Having that accountability from your teammate to let you know if you're doing something wrong or vice versa, like, it's so important. And just from a coach's perspective, just to, like, make sure that they're on the same page and they're not having their minds go other ways because, like I said, this is a game. We got a whole bunch. We're in a new era of the portal. This is a portal, and this is this is the reality we live in, and that's just what it is. So those are the two biggest things I would say. And so then building off of that, from your own perspective, what do you think the expectations should be in 2024? Because obviously, I mean, you know this better than anybody else, but I mean, for fans at home, keep in mind that you're graduating your starting quarterback, yeah. you're graduating your running back, you're graduating basically your entire receiving core, you're graduating your, base, your entire O-line, basically half of your D-line. Linebackers. All the linebackers. Well, the whole team. Yeah. The whole team is gone. Yeah. At, the, at least the notable key pieces outside of you. Yeah. And, like, Wesley. Yeah. And I think and probably the Keese. Fred and a couple. We got Keys, Marquise Buchanan. Keys is coming back. We still, um, yeah. It's, but, like, outside of, outside of, like, the four of you, it is a very just slim locker room. Because yeah. a lot of guys were graduating, a lot of guys hit the portal, a lot of guys hit the draft. So, just from obviously, don't, like obviously, there's probably a lot of things that are still in the works yeah. that you can't talk about. But yeah. like, just from what you do know and what you're able to say, what are your expectations for this coming year? Very honestly, like, it's very high expectations still. But the biggest thing is just making sure, like, you gotta have all the pieces together. Like, you just have to have a quarterback to be successful. You know and you know, obviously, Kasim, you know, he had a career at Rhode Island. But I feel like we can grow as a team still. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's a he's a good player. You know what I mean? But he's doing his own thing. And, and the program still has to move on. And people still have to, you know, carry on this team. You know? So, uh, like, I love those guys. You know, I know that I know they're, they're gone. Those are... You know, I just talked to Sebi yesterday, De La Sudas, he's a center. You know, he was telling me about his tropical bowl and how that, that was going with the combine. Zoe's doing this thing, too. You know, it's just awesome to see those guys, you know, doing their own things. And obviously, they have laid the forefront, you know. They have been here 
for forever, and those are guys who have been successful here, you know. So, like, building building this team is still in the works right now, to be honest. Uh, I would say, like, we still need a couple more guys, but I still think the the, the prime pieces are still here, and we just need to continue on building off that. And so then one final thing that I wanted to hear from you is right now you're ninth all time in quarterback sacks for from 2022 to now you got 14 and a half yeah that and the leader is at 33 which is an absurd number but i mean guys in front of you 16 19 20 21 23 and so on and so forth yeah do you feel like that you can jump into that top five this year oh it's it's going to happen <laughs> i'm not gonna lie um it's a very listen i understand like Teams prepare, like, they game plan, you know. But, like, I trust my skill sets, you know, and I truly believe the year that people think that I had this year, I'm going to double and triple that. And the playbooks is just going to get more smaller for me, and I'm just going to continue on, you know, figuring out how I can get to this spot faster. You heard it here, folks. A.J. Pena is inevitable, and it's just going to be a matter of time. But, AJ, I know you got to go to class. I know I got class in a little bit, too. So um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today and watching. I'm very happy to be back in the studio. We're going to be, like I said at the start, it's going to be every Wednesday, 1 to 2 p.m. here on WRIU 90.3 FM. So, again, thank you all for tuning in and listening. AJ, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Of course. I, I love it. I love talking football. I love talking URI football, and I'm very excited to see um, how this team continues to grow in the face of losing so many guys in the face of this adversity. But, I mean, knowing the coaching staff and knowing the guys that are still here, you guys are dogs. So it's, it's, it's just going to be a matter of time before you guys get to clicking again. But, I mean, again, thank you, everybody, for listening in, and we'll see you all next week.